Their job is to sanctify the social order, to sanctify the world. That's where the power of the laity lies. I would say if you start praying, and I'm saying, Lord, what will you have me do? Find yourself doing a lot more than you ever thought you were going to do. To transform society, they must begin by changing their own hearts first. Our nation is too full of those that are crying down. Down with the churches. Can you build anything down? You cannot. And let's begin now to use the word up. Up from all of this filth. Up to God. Be courageous. And keep the joy of loving. And welcome to another episode of Cajun Kingdom of Priests. This is Father John Joseph. This is Jude LeCompte. And we're missing somebody. But we have a very special guest. Go ahead. Who is it? Hello, my name is Abby. (laughs) (laughs) This is Abby Bork. Abby Bork is my little sister and Jude's... My little fiancé. Oh, (laughs) they just got engaged. Yay. Oh, so happy for them. It was, uh, we got to tell our listeners about what happened that day, because that was awesome. So, yeah, go ahead. Tell them, Jude. You guys are going to make my heart pound in here. (laughs) Um, So, it was a Sunday, and I've been having the ring for a little while, but Mm -hmm. I spoke with her parents on Thursday night. Yeah. Well, you spoke with my dad. No. Yeah, a couple well, yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, a couple months back. Spoke through parents on Thursday. Lied to Abby about where I was at. It's <laughs> the last time I'll ever do that. Um, <laughs> Better be. That <laughs> uh, was uh, so. That was really good. And funny enough, I was speaking to her parents and her dog, who mm, might be possessed. <laughs> <laughs> that is something we will have to. Uh, Sort out. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Y'all invite me over. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you not, already gave him a blessing. I know. Not a minor possession, a major <laughs> one. Um, so he was literally about to eat me whole while I was talking to him. Okay, and, and you have to know this dog is like no more than a foot high. <laughs> yeah. He is a corgi, so his legs are literally two inches tall. His yeah. ears are bigger than his legs. <laughs> he has a small dog syndrome. And he's... But he's the cutest puppy ever, but he's just extremely hyper, and he just loves Jude, and Jude riles him up, so. So this is... He's all over. Yeah. Whenever you you rile him all up, Jude gets him all excited, and there he starts (laughs) TTing. There he goes. (laughs) But that's all to say that um, the dog was all over me while I was talking to your parents, and then I went to, right directly after, I went to Abby's for dinner, and she looks at my shirt and she grabs something off my shirt and she says, this is a Bentley hair. And I was like, <laughs> uh, about to pass out. Like, oh, like how I didn't weird. think anything of it. I, you didn't? No, I was just like, I mean, Bentley's hair gets everywhere. So yeah. I, I just thought it was like on his shirt from. So what did, what did, do you remember what Jude said or did? Do you remember his reaction to that? I remember exactly what I said. Do you remember? I don't remember. It obviously wasn't memorable for me. I seriously didn't think anything of it at all. I said, yeah, I can never get away from that dang dog. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> that was a good, was and a good so, response. So I thought, okay, maybe she's, maybe she's on to us. Um, 
But then the next day, her mom took her to get her nails done. And she got her nails five different colors. <laughs> so, so yeah, Emily was telling me this. Emily's our other little sister. So we got to get Emily on here one day, too. So Emily's like, Mama, you have to get Abby's nails done. Abby has to get her nails done. And uh, Mama's like, okay. So she's like, she's like, Abby, uh, she's like, Abby, why don't you come with me and get your nails done? And Abby's like, okay, whatever. And so they go, and yeah, sure enough, Abby comes back, and all her nails are... Like, each one was a different color? Yeah, like... I What made you do that? Well, for fun. <laughs> I don't know. For fun. Um I got them yeah, I got them each done, like each nail a different color. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my mom looked and she's like, oh, Abby, why'd you do no, that? No, no, no. She said no, she didn't. Oh, okay. Well, you she she didn't there. make it. She was like, Oh, so cute. Like Oh, she, she was wow. she was because wow. she couldn't say anything. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm impressed. I know. I was impressed, too, after the fact, after I found out. Mama is, like, the worst. At keeping secrets, yeah. At keeping secrets. (laughs) But right after we got our nails done, she, like, normally she'll be like, oh, you want to go, like, y'all want to go get something to eat, get some coffee or some ice cream or something like that? But she just, like, was like, all right, see you later, bye. (laughs) And so that's the only thing that made me a little bit suspicious. But because I was like, okay, she she had a an ulterior motive here to getting getting uh, my nails done. But um, I still didn't think. I mean, I thought maybe it could happen that weekend because I just knew, you know. It could happen any weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The time was coming. And then the next the next day we had Friendsgiving and had a bunch of our friends over. Many of them knew that it was going to happen on Sunday the next day. And that was um, awful for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because my, my friends, I mean, they're they're not they're not slow but they're not <laughs> very bright <laughs> and are any of them listening right now they definitely are <laughs> <laughs> and i love them dearly and i i would like to know that i stand corrected they didn't ruin it um so so that was awesome and then sunday awesome. But Sunday. for Friendsgiving, I cooked I cooked a big gumbo mm-hmm. and was doing a lot of dishes and stuff like that. And I didn't get I, – I just got regular polish on my nails, and every single one of them chipped. So I was like, well, this looks awful. And I felt bad because my mom paid for me to get my nails done. So I was like, well, I'm just going to repaint them. So I repainted them Sunday morning to just all white. Yeah, so I call her Sunday morning. She's painting her nails, and I was like, oh, thank gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so – and then, uh, so we're going to go to mass Sunday morning and that was going to start like me being with her and her family all day. So I had to make sure everything was in place and I had to bring the ring with me, um, which was difficult because it's such a big case. So I was like freaking out like, okay, she's definitely going to find this case in my pocket. Um, but so we went to mass and the ring was in my pocket and I was like, okay, whatever. Right after mass, I was like, I need to get this out. So I pass it off to her dad, and that was uh, that went well. Then we went to eat lunch, and... And you uh, came see me? Yeah. Then we went down to St. Martinville, and the whole time I have, like, people in the background, like, moving stuff. And, like, my brother went to your house um, to grab went some stuff. Went to our parents' house. Yeah. And then we went to the community to visit father. And we had to say, yes. yeah, Father, how did this go for yeah, you? Yeah, so so we were, um, so once a month, my family can come over and, and visit me for a couple of hours. 
And so th- we decided that this would be the weekend, and obviously this was planned um, amidst these other things as well. And so, um, so anyway, so sure enough, so so they they all come they all come over, and I had told the brothers and sisters at CJC that this was going to happen, that I, uh, Jude was going to ask Abby, but then I realized like, okay, did I tell them when they were going to ask her? when he was going to ask her and and I was like oh no like what if they what if they spill it like what if one of them just says hey congratulations so the whole vid- uh, the whole visit you know was just so nerve-wracking oh is that why you wanted to go back inside in your yes. office yeah <laughs> so I was like man it's just so hot out it, like, we were outside and this is what it felt like it's <laughs> <laughs> oh, a tense moment yeah and so I was, <laughs> I we was were like, sitting outside and like all the brothers and sisters are like walking around doing their Sunday leisure thing. <laughs> and f- father always wants to sit outside or like, and he's always open to visiting with people. But this time he was like, you want to go in my office? There's just like a lot of people walking around. Like, we're well, not before really this, before what happened was brother Francis Xavier, who's like, you know, pretty, pretty on, on cue, you know, like he, he's. He's, uh, you know, some some of our brothers are more aloof than others, but he's he's not as aloof. <laughs> so I, I felt like he wasn't going to say anything. But at the same time, I was just like, did I tell him when it was going to happen? Mm-hmm. And so he comes up to the table or the picnic table where we are outside. And he says, he goes, uh, congratulations. And we're looking, we're like, and, and Brother Francis Xavier said, he was like, y'all's faces were just like, like, what are you saying? And I didn't know what I did wrong. And then, and then he was like, congratulations on the Bork victory. And we're still like, what is he talking about? <laughs> and Abby was like, oh, he's talking about the gumbo cook-off. Because, yeah. you know, we won the gumbo cook-off, baby. Let's Woo! go. <laughs> <laughs> Take that. Take that. <laughs> you worked up in here. A little side note. Golly. <laughs> <laughs> I was sick and tired of y'all talking smack to Father John Joseph. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway. You know, and you know, I just, just, oh, wait, let's get, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's address this. Yeah, no. Because <laughs> this, this is not a dead horse addressed. that's being kicked. We're <laughs> going to kick this long. We won horse. the judge's choice because we, we actually had the best gumbo. And uh, they said it was unanimous. The best gumbo belonged Say it again? to us. Yeah. What was that you word? Uh, yeah, unanimous. Unanimous. Yeah, unanimous. Wow. And so we had the best gumbo. And then um, the People's Choice Awards, uh, you know, everybody was like, well, why didn't y'all win the People's Choice if everyone was saying that it was the best gumbo? And I said, it's because we usually cook for poor people. And poor people <laughs> can't afford to pay these exorbitant amounts of money just so that I win votes. Hmm. So, you know, it's it was, it was a matter of charity. Yeah. You know? True. So not only, do, not, only, not only do we <laughs> not only do we love more, <laughs> but our gumbo was better. <laughs> so, oh, man. No uh, mercy. <laughs> but anyway, so back to the So that's what Brother Francis Xavier was talking about. But nevertheless, I pulled him in a, aside and I said, make sure you tell all the brothers. Do not say anything oh that's what you were yeah telling? yeah so i was oh, like so funny i was like please let make sure they all know i was like i could just picture one of them coming up and be like congrats you know we're so excited and i was just gonna be like it's gonna ruin it so anyway so we all went into my office and again it was it was tense but 
we we held the conversation well. Abby was clueless. I was clueless, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then and then Abby left to go to the bathroom, and then Jude just puts his head down and it's like, oh. <laughs> he's like Emily. Do you know what you're supposed to do? And she's like, what, 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 what am I supposed to do? And it was just like, and then okay, and then he's like, mode. okay talk about something else right now everybody talk about something else and then we just started talking about something else so anyway it was pretty awesome you did a great job so y'all explain y'all y'all tell them Abby, Abby, go ahead well so after the visit we had a procession um it was, the king. it was christ the king sunday we we're processing with the eucharist from cjc to saint martin de tours and so you know we you know, we did the little procession. We went to benediction. And by this point, you know, any hope that I had of the proposal happening this weekend was just gone because I was like, you know, the day's pretty much over. Our visit's over. Everything we had planned today is like done. And so I'm just like praying and I'm just like, I'm kind of sad, but because I really, I wanted it to happen before Thanksgiving, before the holidays. But, um, but yeah, I was just kind of like, okay, well, it's not happening this weekend, but so I had given up all hope. So um, we do the procession, and then afterwards, Emily's like, I really want some coffee. And she had mentioned earlier that day that she hadn't had any coffee that day. So I was like, I seriously, I was so oblivious. I was like, not thinking anything. Well, so you have to understand. So right before she said that, I wasn't sure exactly what my, I was supposed to do. If I was supposed to tell everybody bye. Yeah, because usually, what? I mean, our visit's two hours. It's strict. It's two hours. Like, we don't go over. We we yeah. don't oversay our visit. So that was my main concern. I was like, well, and because then Father's like, oh, yeah, I want some coffee too. And yeah. so. So, well, well so, the, but let me tell you what happened right before that. So, so Emily, Emily's like, uh, well, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm telling y'all bye. You know, and I was like hugging mom and daddy, bye. And then Emily's like, no, that's not what's supposed to happen. And I was like, Emily. And you were walking up right behind her. <laughs> and and so Drew, Emily's boyfriend, is like holding Emily and like, Emily, stop. And I was like grabbing Emily. I was like, stop. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, no, that's not what's supposed to happen. <laughs> and I was like, Emily, <laughs> Anne, stop it. <laughs> and, and, I mean, you couldn't say it because I was yeah. trying to make, not make it obvious. And then she just stands up and she goes, I want some coffee. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, whew. we just like, and so. And I uh, seriously had no idea. And Abby's like, well, what? She's like, well, our visit's over. And I was like, I want some coffee too. And then Abby's like, Oh, well, and then they were like, maybe we can go get you some. Yeah, we were like, well, they were like, well, we'll just go get you some and then we'll come back and we'll drop it off to you or mom and dad can come pick us up, like either one. And so and I was Abby like, was okay. Like, Abby was like, so good. She's like, she's like, what kind of coffee you want? <laughs> and I was like, uh, 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 I don't, uh, you know, you, cold you like hot. you like good at coffee. And she's <laughs> like, yeah, cold or hot. I said, uh, cold. And so she, they were like, okay. So we got him a coffee. So we were all nervous. So anyway, we walked over to the studio, which is a great little coffee shop in St. Martinville. Yeah. We we love that place. Mm. It's so cute. Um, so I was all excited because, like, Jude had never been. We got to show him the coffee shop, and I, I, I knew he would really like, you know, the design the, of the it ambiance. and stuff like Yeah, the ambiance, yeah. And so um, we go and we get our coffee, and Emily, like, and Drew start talking to the owner. I guess he knew, he actually knew Drew. He, like, did. Oh, really? did like uh he was a chiropractor yeah. and so i think he like helped drew with some injuries or something mm. i don't know um drew plays baseball 
for Ole Miss. So, Ooh. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go Drew. Go Drew. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we got some coffee, and we were just kind of sitting around waiting while Emily was visiting with this guy. And uh, and so we we end up – I hear her over here in the conversation saying, oh, yeah, I've never been down to the bayou. Like, I want to go and, like, look and just check it out. And so we're, like, leaving, and Emily's like, can we go, like, walk down? Like, I just want to see what it – I, I just want to see. I've never, like, actually been to the Evangeline Oak or, like, seen the bayou from here. And so uh, Abby, I was like – Abby was like, no, Emily, we can't do that. We have to go back and – like, like give Father John Joseph yeah, his exactly. coffee. I was she, like, she's well, like the best little <laughs> sister ever. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. You know, so, try. so Jude, what were you thinking this whole time? Oh I my just, gosh, this whole time I was just like, well, the whole thing was I was thinking one, I really hope she doesn't notice that there's something huge in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Two, I hope that I ho- I hope that one we we can smoothly get over to the Bayou side. And the whole time I'm freaking out because I have two of my friends over there on the bayou side hiding behind a shed ready to take pictures. <laughs> and I'm thinking they're like, we're going to get all the way over there and they're going to ruin the whole thing. So, um, so did, that didn't happen. Luckily, we were able to get to the bayou. So wait, I know how did Emily smooth it over? So Emily's like, and so I was like, no, I was like, well, we have to go bring him his coffee. Like we're going to we can't stay too much longer. Like our visit's over. Emily's like, no, no, no. We're, uh, mom and dad said they'll come pick us up. And so I was clutch. like, yeah, she came, uh, apparently came in clutch in this moment. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was like, Oh, all right, cool. Like, well, I guess we can just wait, wait down there for them. So we like go, we're like standing on the dock and Emily and Drew kind of go off, you know, in the little gazebo yeah. and they're looking at it from, from over there. And then, we're just standing there and I'm like turning around, like looking at the street, kind of waiting for my parents. I'm like, oh, they should be here any minute. So I'm like waiting for them, looking for them. And, and Jude's like, yeah, but did you, it's beautiful. Huh? I was like, look at the, look at like the way the sun's hitting the trees. <laughs> I was trying <laughs> everything in my power to make sure she did not look back. <laughs> like, because his friends were back there ready to take pictures Yeah, or and, in that general area. And I thought she may have heard something and that's why, no, I mean, I she didn't. turned full 180, just like, <laughs> boom, I set. That, and I was so like, funny. oh, oh my gosh. Did you see the way the sunlight's hitting the trees? <laughs> and what like, were you thinking? And right? I was just like, yeah. <laughs> All right. We've been looking at it for like two weeks. Yeah, months, just dude. like, you know, I mean, it's be- it is, it was a beautiful and it, it's, it was yeah. so beautiful in the background of the pictures and yeah. it was a beautiful spot, but like in a moment, I'm just like, I wasn't thinking anything of it. And like, seriously, I was telling them like, if, if, even if I had seen or noticed a person like behind the shed or near the shed, I wouldn't have even like, I would have looked right past them because I was so oblivious. I was like just looking for my parents like you know i I just i would have never suspected so i would have never even like paid attention to who was around (laughs) but anyway so we're standing by the bayou and jude's like trying to get my attention on the water and and then emily calls my name so she's like to the right of me so she's like abby and so i turn and look at her and she's like holding up her phone like taking pictures and so i was like oh like i was just making a silly face or something um thinking like Jude's behind me like smiling too or whatever and I and I was like kind of turning to Jude to be like oh look she's taking a picture of us I think she's like actually like wants to take a good picture of us and so I like turn around to to tell Jude I'm like oh 
she's taking a picture of us and i turned around and he was down on one knee oh boom <laughs> Boom! And what did you say, dude? I well, what did you say? Like, so I how said, did this? What? <laughs> yeah, she said, she was like, "What? Are you serious? Are you serious?" And I and I just said, "Abby Cathenbrook, will you marry me?" I, I was gonna try to say something <laughs> sentimental when we were like standing there looking at the water right before, but um, he was nervous. Yeah, I I, I couldn't even think straight. <laughs> but I, I do want you to know that I love you. I appreciate you. Thanks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Are you being serious right now? <laughs> I'm being 100% serious. That's very sweet. I love you too. Um, but yeah, it was it was great. And I was so surprised. And I started sobbing instantly. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, is this, oh, is this supposed to be? No, no, no. That's good. Okay, cool. <laughs> I thought it was going to be rom- more romantic, but it didn't no, work out. So <laughs> I, was, I was trying, yeah. <laughs> so, so it happened under the Evangeline Oak Tree? Under the Evangeline Oak. It was beautiful. The pictures came out beautiful. Oh, man. It it broke my heart to see those pictures. I mean, it was just, it really was beautiful. And it was just, it was so, uh, we got to post, we should post them on the Facebook for the Cajun Kingdom of Priests. Mm -hmm. For sure. And post Abby's rock on there. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it was, oh, and then they they drove around and we were all waiting for him uh, across from St. John's, uh, also on the bayou. But All Jude's family came and it was so sweet. It it was was so great to have them there. They all helped set up and his mom brought flowers. Thank you, Miss Sherry. (laughs) And Tyler and Courtney set up the decorations and... They did such a great job. It was so beautiful. So I was so surprised. When Abby came out, you know, and I mean, I think you still gave me my coffee. <laughs> I, don't <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think I grabbed my coffee. <laughs> she, but <laughs> but uh, when she came out, you know, I mean, she was, she was, you know, crying and stuff. And, and uh, it was just, uh, it was real sweet. And I was able to hold it together, but then the next two days, like every time I'd look <laughs> at a picture, I'd just start crying. Oh. <laughs> well, it was just, I think, you know. It's surreal. It's like a very surreal it is. feeling. And it was just like, you know, I, I mean, we'd just been through a lot with, with abs, you know, and, and then, you know, to see you, Jude, who is like a brother to me, mm. you know, I felt like I was just like, there's no better person that I would want her to be with. And. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, just made so much sense. And it was just, it was very emotional for, for all of us. Yeah. Yeah, I think we were all just overwhelmed with joy. Yeah. In the moment. It was just a happy day. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Praise God. God. Well, yeah, there's a good story for (laughs) (laughs) Cajun Kingdom of Priests. It's going to be a long intro. In this year of the family. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, not quite, huh? No, it is. It is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it started. We're in the year of the family and in the year of St. Joseph. Oh. <laughs> double whammy. Yeah. <laughs> we got engaged. Checking boxes. Both. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. This better work out. <laughs> <laughs> got a lot of things going for us. <laughs> oh, my well, gosh. Yeah, I'm very proud of y'all, for sure. And uh, they did ask me to say the wedding. Oh yeah. yeah. Let it be known. <laughs> and uh preach, which is good. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Father Sibley. You will have your moment. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna probably do some toasts or something like that. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean he can Yeah. He can be there. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
He's going to be there. We're going to have so many great priests there. We're so excited. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's almost like it's it's almost like, I don't know. It's just uh, marrying like it'll be like marrying a, a brother and a sister. It's just kind of it's mm-hmm. going to be a strange but beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, I feel so privileged. So we're super excited. But OK, uh, I know we are running out of time, but <laughs> we're going to I'm going to give us at least a Cajun word of the day. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> Don't be. <laughs> You're bad at this. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I get paid to better. do. C'est pas vrai. C'est pas vrai. C'est pas vrai. Say. What do we determine say means? Um. That's. That is. Pa means no or not. Say pavre. Um, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say that it means one of my safe words or safe phrases. Oh. What is it, Jude? Um, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> hangry. No. <laughs> hangry. It's no. Pronounced hangry. One of your safe phrases? Yeah, like it's like a phrase that you go to when you're like nervous or like don't know how to end a sentence. It's, uh, I feel and like I'm kind of getting tested from both angles. You right know what? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> you know oh, what it man. is. Come on. Remember, we determined it. Come on, oh. Jude. <laughs> you gotta get this. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't want to say it. Why don't okay. <laughs> well, you don't know it. <laughs> Time's up. What is it? Abby? It's You know what I mean? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? I'm going to say, um, that's not my kitten. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's not my kitten. Say pavre. No. Y'all are both wrong. It Boo. turns out it's not just you and Reed. It's also you and Abby. <laughs> <laughs> well, every time I hear it on the podcast, y'all trying to come up with the Cajun word of the day, I'm just thinking, man, I'm glad that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> and now it is. And now C'est it is. Vrai. It means that's not true. That's not true. Oh. That was close. That was so close. <laughs> that's not my kitten. Say pas vrai. That's not my kitten. Man, we were like kind of close when we, when we were actually trying. That's not true. Wow. We said so that's awesome. no. Yeah. Say pas vrai. No, y'all didn't get it. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get it. Y'all weren't mm, even close. We tried. Well, it's Barely. time for us to end this episode, but it was a beautiful episode. Thanks for being with us, Abs. And we're going to have you again. And enjoy the oh, podcast yeah. with, <laughs> with Hart Littell. Hart Littell. It's great. We just we, we dig into uh, where the men are in the church, and, and I know y'all are, y'all are going to love it. It was something that, that we we're really passionate about. So, um, Please continue to share this with people. And enjoy the podcast. (laughs) Bye-bye. And welcome back to Cajun Kingdom of Priests. This is Reed Striva. I'm Jude LeCombe. We're here with Hart Littell. In the house. What an <laughs> honor. And he's wearing the flyest jacket I've seen in my whole life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's the best um, you can get uh, with a discount on Amazon ah. when you're oh, yeah. browsing through cheap jackets. It, I mean, you <laughs> seriously look like you're about to go like, I want to say, 
No, I'm not going to say what I'm thinking. But like fly, fly, fly a fighter jet. And mm. like take out. Oh some yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like in World War Two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was gonna, ma- I was gonna make a comment on World War Two, but it felt inappropriate. <laughs> so. I didn't. Too soon, Jude. Yeah. I'll bring up World War Two. <laughs> <laughs> just, any, anyway, love you, Jack. Let, let's let that one rest for a minute before we circle back to World War II. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very fresh. <laughs> Very fresh. Indeed. Ooh. So, man, I was, um, I came across a video that was titled, um, Why Aren't Men in Church? Mm. And I was just like, I was just struck by it, you know, because it's definitely something that, that most Catholics are aware of that uh, just, you know, Maybe Catholic masculinity might be lacking, or maybe just well, masculinity in general might be lacking. Church attendance from men is lacking. Uh, you know, involvement, extracurriculars involving church is lacking. Um, and you know, in our own lives, I'm sure from a subjective testimony that you know we've seen all of our buddies that we've grown up with and spent time with, you know, fall away from the church or maybe not even give it a chance. You know, so so yeah, it just it struck a chord with me, and it's something that. I really wanted to talk about. So, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. I thought of you. <laughs> like, I, I think I think Hart could speak to this. The unlikeliest dude you can find, but I'll take it. Um, so <laughs> perhaps the spirit led you um, led you to me uh, only because um, I did end up starting a men's ministry about five years ago over at Our Lady of the F- uh, Fatima. Um, but even then, the whole time that. Um, me and Deacon Ed were kind of jotting this thing out. And what is men's ministry? What is a what is an environment where the masculine heart can feel free and thrive? The whole time I'm thinking to myself, like, me? Like this guy, you know? Um, but the answer is yes, uh, for two reasons. One, because when we looked over our shoulder to see, like, well, who else is doing this? The answer was nobody. Uh, so <laughs> for sure, me and Deacon Ed. Uh, and then later on, a wonderful team who would join us. Um I said one as if there was a two. I'm just going to leave it at one for now. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, so I did start a, a men's ministry, but um, I can assure you that there's no, there's no great secret to it. Um, and I think, I think, well, let me make sure I'm addressing the question. What's the question? You said you thought of me. What a, yeah. I mean, you know, why do you think men aren't in church? Like what, mm. what is something that, that we could do as people who are trying to evangelize to men? What are, what are some focal points? Mm. You know, well, okay. So why aren't men in church? The first thing I can say is, um, uh, having dealt with men that were born, uh, around that uh, or post world war two, you know, coming yeah. out of that spot, there are a lot of opinions on to, as to why the church got weak, uh, around Second Vatican Council. I think that actually, believe it or not, the Second World War had a lot to do with it. Mm. I think a lot of good men went away to war. A lot of good men did not come back. And even men who did come back, um, you know, they couldn't diagnose PTSD back then. Right. Uh, but a lot of men who did came, come back came back shells of men and their sons tried to learn from them. Gotcha. And I think, I think we, there's, a, there's a number of reasons as to why um, masculinity, true... Um, authentic, holy masculinity has been on the decline for the last 70 years. Um, but I do think that the Second World War, circling back, actually had a lot to do with it. Um, yeah, I won't get into any personal stories, but I do know men who, um, who can recount, um, you know, people telling stories about their dad before the world war, people telling stories about their dad after the war, uh, and that generation... Um, was a generation responsible for raising me and my friends and, and the generation of men that's 
in their 40s now. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a tough situation. I think that that generation, um, again, I won't get into the whys, but I will say this. I do think that that generation um, of, of young boys, when they looked at their dads, their dads never showed them that church was the most important thing. Mm. You know, if you were to ask, excuse me, my grandfather, um, and he's, he's passed. Um, if you'd ask my grandfather on my father's side, what's the most important thing? Well, you make sure you get a good job, make good money, make sure you can take care of your family, all good things. But for some reason, that whole generation of men that was responsible for raising my generation, um, there weren't many that I think would look their children in the eye and say, you make sure that no matter what, you know Jesus. Make sure you know that that he is your Lord and Savior, no matter how bad, even through death, that guy's got you. So even if I die, even if you die, it's going to be okay, son. And then, not just hearing dad say that, and then as he lived his life, they could see him not just dutifully go to mass, or not just dutifully help people, but really they could see this fulfillment in their dad as he went to mass, as he went and helped people, as he served. Um, I think kids can, can smell the BS from a mile away. Yeah. You know, so dad may have taken him to St. Joseph's diner or taken him on things that are cute. And are, well, look, we helped the poor people today, but they know that wasn't fulfilling for dad. Right. Right. You didn't, dad didn't light up the way he did when they went on vacation to the beach. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what I have to do. Yeah. Dad gets all excited. When we're on the beach, you know? So I need to w- grow up, make money, make sure I, c- I can afford a vacation to the beach because that's where I've seen the man in my life who's responsible for raising me. That's where I've seen him happiest. So that's what I have to do. Not that that's a bad thing, but kids know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, having an authentic relationship with Jesus, like on a deep level, you know, that shines through your actions, you know, regardless if you're conscious of it or not, if you have a relationship with Jesus, the way you're going to act is going to be more similar to Jesus. And kids are always going to pick up on all of the subtle actions that you do, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it also seems like guys kind of like, a lot of the guys in, in my ministry, obviously, I've ministered to guys more than girls. So, you know, I've noticed that a lot of people think it's unreasonable to have a relationship with God. Like, they don't, mm. they don't think it's something that's, like, really achievable. Mm. They, you know, if I say something about hearing God's voice, they're like, I mean, but really? Mm. You know, it's like, I mean, he doesn't speak English, but yeah, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I did hear his voice. One, you, you, you said the word achieved, and, and I, I think that's important when we, when we talk about masculinity, because I heard, I heard this talk one time, and this priest said, the problem is that we feel like, you know, you, you were talking about in terms of spirituality, but just in terms of, you know, what it means to be a man, a lot of times we feel like it's something to be achieved, mm. like it's something we have to, to do, it's a person that we have to be, um, it is strength and it is all these things. But but the priest made the point that masculinity is something that's bestowed. Mm. It's it's when we're accepted by a group of men that we look up to. Mm-hmm. You know? Ah, and so and that's such a good point. Because yeah. because we look at it as like the strong man who doesn't back down to anybody, doesn't take a word from anybody. And it is that. But it's also learning to be compassionate mm-hmm. and learning how to love. Sure. And learning how to like, you know. Be vulnerable when you have to be vulnerable with people, you know, yeah. and, and having, I mean, it all starts in the home, you know, going back to fathers and grandfathers, like you need somebody who's, who's going to show you like, Hey, I love you and I accept you and 
that means I'm going to push you, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and it means I'm going to walk with you in this thing. Ben Broussard, that's that's a shout out, Ben. Uh, but Ben Broussard was telling me years ago, he handed me a book that I did not read, but he said, you got to check this out. <laughs> he said, uh, the, the most striking thing about this book is, is that according to this, this guy's research here, the period called adolescence that we refer to, this kind of rebellion where uh, the young man hits puberty and now he kind of doesn't like mom and dad and he's difficult to deal with, that only exists in first world Western society. Adolescence doesn't exist with tribes in various parts of jungles. Well, why not? And this guy's saying, well, whenever the kid looks like he's physically becoming a man, they take him out and uh, they say, come back when you kill a tiger. And then after that, you're now a man. And you can take a wife and all the men share their problems and they start bringing him along. He sees other men cry. He sees other men struggle. He watches the community come together and he's a part of it the whole time. The way we live in Western culture and society, um, this kind of siloed, my house is my castle, don't get on my property, I can sue you if you if your dog drops a deuce in my yard, that kind of like, that that separate kind of thing. There, there is a good, there is definitely prudence and boundaries, but there's also this lack of wealth, um, of, of, of knowledge, of, of loving that, that happens when we're too separated. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not making an argument that um, we should go back and live tribally, but I do think that there is something we've lost um, when it comes to just that that passing down of masculinity um, just with the way we live in Western society. You have yeah. to be way more intentional. It's not going to happen on accident, you know? It will happen on accident because you're living in the woods together, sitting around a fire together, hunting together, doing everything. It just kind of happens. The way we live, you have to be incredibly intentional about it. Yeah, because it's so easy to be comfortable mm-hmm. in terms of like, I was, I was... I think about this often, like, what what if a draft were to happen right now? Mm. Like, so many of my friends would be so unfit mm. for war. Yeah. And that's and that's something, that's, like, the only thing we say, like, I agree to this mm. as an American. That's, like, the price we pay to be American. It's, like, I go and I fight for my country. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, this, this, like, weakness, this, like, slouched over, indifferent, like so many dudes are like it's and and you know maybe maybe i just don't realize like the dudes who are like working hard and getting after it but it's also in terms of faith like we're so comfortable here in the states Mm. you know like anytime anytime somebody is arguing against us especially as catholics we kind of just brush them off as crazy like I'm definitely not going to argue with that person or try to defend my faith because mm. they're just crazy. Well, I mean, you're, you're touching on like uh, I think a huge problem. Uh, I call it the the secondary men problem, and that is, um, uh, how would I even inspire a man to go and fight a war right now? You know, um, whenever back to World War II, God, dude, you nailed it with that World War II thing. <laughs> uh, it was easy to inspire men to fight because all you had to do is convince men. And look, this is whether the government was being honest or lying about it. Um, we know for sure they were being very honest. Hitler was ready to destroy everything that was good, true, and beautiful in the name of communism, right? Mm. Um, but all you had to do was tell, we're in Southern Louisiana, was tell some Cajun, like, hey, dude, for real, if if Germany keeps gaining ground this land that you've cultivated and protected it's gone you know and it's out of love for that stuff these good things your family your your children it's out of love for these things it was easy to inspire a man to fight for it now what what do men love 
I mean, I really, I don't know how I'd inspire a man to fight. I almost would need some time with this man to re- remind him, hey, this is what men are supposed to love and protect. And then after that point, then now do you see why it's worth fighting for? But it should always be motivated first by love. Fear is a great motivator. You know, some people are Christian because they don't want to go to hell. I guess that's okay-ish, but really that's (laughs) not the best motivator. I love Jesus, and so that's why I'm going to be a Christian. I love my family. That's why I'll go to war. You see it all the time backwards, especially in like, um, and don't get me wrong, I love my pro-life marches. I love love life. But it's because of my pro-life stance that I'll go to D.C. and march. But when people see me marching, I don't want them to see this upside-down, frowny, visceral hatred for people who've had abortions. In fact, I know people who've had abortions. I love them dearly. It's my love for life first that puts me in a position to really dislike murder and death and the right. death penalty. It's, it's, not, it's not my, I don't walk around just hating things. In fact, it's a dangerous spot for men to be in because there are groups that are known for the hatred of things. If you, can, can you name one? Yeah, the Klan. Who wants to be a part of the Ku Klux Klan? Yeah, right. A group known for the hatred or something. We're a group of people known for our love of life and beauty and our Lord and Jesus. And, and I'm just being very real when I say we live in a culture where it's, it's hard sometimes to tell a man, you should love a woman's purity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like explain, then you have to explain it to them first. Yeah. So hopefully they'll fall in love with it. Then it's something worth fighting for them. So anyway, um, yeah, it's just, it's an interesting conundrum. We have a lot of secondary feelings and reactions toward things. And really our primary motivation should be love for him and life mm-hmm. and beauty. And I, and I think one of the, one of the biggest reasons for a decline in masculinity is, is the lack of challenge. You know, like, like men, as we've talked about throughout this conversation you know men need to be challenged Mm -hmm. they need to be put in a situation where there's there's no choice but to grow up Mm. and kill that tiger and bring it back you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you have no choice but to like be challenged and have that rite of passage Mm -hmm. i think that's necessary for us to get to the point where we're selflessly and sacrificially loving our community and loving our family sure you know and and i think it's something that's kind of uh you know like you said in in our culture is like it's not as not as focused on. It's like a lot of times these adolescents or or young men, you know, they're not really being challenged a whole lot. They have the opportunity to stay home until they're 26. They, you know, have the choice to really like not have to grow up at that mm-hmm. moment. And that that choice is kind of, you know, leading to this uh, lack of challenge, this lack of adventure that Christianity is. You know, mm-hmm. Christianity following Christ like Acts of the Apostles Dude, that's an adventure. Absolutely. That is insane. <laughs> well, you're, you know? you're nailing this thing that I call men don't go all in anymore. Mm. That we just don't. It's too safe. Even like, I remember my family, we went to this place called Bull Shoals. Uh, second shout out, Scott Prather. It was the Prather's family place in Bull Shoals, Arkansas. And back in the day, uh, dad drives, mom's got a map. Maybe we've seen Polaroids of the place we're going to, but we had no idea. You know, now you can literally look at your phone and, and see actual live camera footage of where you're going. There's no adventure. Like, so for us to yeah. say, hey, we're getting on the road. Uh, if we break down somewhere in the middle of nowhere, we better have water and food and stuff. <laughs> well, well, why would you need that? Quite honestly, because we could die. Like, that's, that's <laughs> it. Like, just to, go, just to go to northern Arkansas was like, and not that we, you know, we were fear, in fear of our life constantly, but like to, to even make a trip 12 hours long, you kind of had to be all in, you know? Yeah. I'm going to join the military. What's it like? There was no, now there's documentaries of what boot camp is like. 
back in the day, you only heard boot camp's terrible. And people were still saying, like, I'm all in. Yeah. Put me in, you know? I mean, I, Lord knows I have an adventurer's spirit and was later on diagnosed as an adrenaline junkie. So I was always going all in, skydiving, bungee jumping, you name it. Um, I couldn't not do it. Um, but I think that helped to foster my masculine soul um, and was fertile ground for the gospel. So whenever our Lord was like, hey, I, I'm calling you to this thing. And I was like, well, I only know how to go all in. But we live in such a safe society right now yeah. that, that, that young people, specifically young men, don't risk it enough. You know, it's, it's when you risk it. That's how you know what your boundaries are, by the way, is you push them and you go too far and you realize, oh, that, I, I shouldn't do that again. Mm -hmm. Or you don't push it enough and you see no fruit. You're like, well, I'm being too lazy. So eventually you form these really healthy boundaries. But we live in a society right now where men, I mean, we don't risk it. When I was in... College, I remember my sister, I won't say her name, but shout out to you, sister, I love you. Dude pulled up to the house and texted her, said, hey, I'm here, you ready? And I was like, oh no. <laughs> Absolutely not. You are gonna risk it. You're gonna come in here and you're gonna look me and my father in the face yeah. and yeah. say, I'm taking her out, she'll be back at this time. Yeah. But he kept it safe. You know, how is that guy supposed to date my sister? It's way too safe. You don't yeah. get to look me, AKA the consequences, in the eyes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For, for taking my sister out, someone I love, you know? Yeah. Um, it just masculinity um, is not being fostered, I think, because it's just a little too easy right now. Yeah. And mm. unfortunately, I've had, you know, quite a few friends who they've they've been challenged by their, their girlfriend at the time, and, and that in, in, encouraged them to not really date her, mm. you know? Like, it was like, she's she's asking more of my time whenever I want to be playing video games or I, I, I have this specific time for my friends and you know I always kind of understood up until this really this last year that I've been really like focusing on like what does it mean to to love well mm. and um, and yeah a lot of them they you know fall to the challenge they say that even though it's unsatisfying they think it's more masculine to maintain their false sense of freedom mm. mm -hmm. you know that they can make their own choices rather than you know, dying to themselves and actually, you know, being there for the girlfriend who's trying to call them higher, make them a better man. And that's it. And you said the truth. You use the word. I mean, that's Jesus. He, I mean, he called himself, I am the way, the truth. So like, yeah, that's why the masculine journey, um, Jesus is essential to it yeah. because he keeps, uh, he keeps me honest on that journey, he keeps my intentions honest whenever I'm being too prideful, too vain, too whatever. He's like, yep, that was good. Don't get me wrong. It was a good show, heart. Uh, but you did that for you. You didn't do that for me. You <laughs> yeah. know? So uh, anyway, yeah, he's, he's essential. Um, of course, the, the lie is, is um, if, you, if you decide to bring, not only bring Jesus along on your journey, but put him in charge of it, it's going to get real boring. Um, and nothing, as I'm just telling you, as an adrenaline junkie, nothing could be further from the truth, you know? Yeah, yeah. I would, I would love to hear <clears throat> this, uh, this season that we're doing right now is focused on the family. And, um, and I, I would just love to hear, like, in your men's ministry, mm. what do you feel like are some things that, that most men, you know, this is for, for husbands to hear and, and be encouraged by, but also wives to hear and, mm. you know, hear our side of it. What do you think are some things that um, are some of the greatest, like, longings of men's heart that you feel, like, in this ministry mm. that you feel like are just... Um, just suppressed by the world mm -hmm. or things that things that are hardest for men, especially like in marriage, mm -hmm. you know, just like what are some things that are difficult? How do they overcome them? If you yeah. give some of the, the heavy Yeah, years. for sure. It's the taming. I mean, it's there. there's always going to be a struggle. You know, the, the woman is 
Um, believe it or not, Jordan Peterson, I'm going to loosely quote him right now, but Jordan Peterson said, a good man is not, um, is not a man who's incapable of, of violence or danger. A good man is somebody who's capable of great danger. Uh, you know, he's dangerous to be around, mm-hmm. but chooses through his self-control uh, not to be dangerous unless something threatens that which is good, true, and beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a good man. It's, it's not this, this docile... Um, it's not a lion in a cage, you know, it's a lion who chooses to walk around and chooses not to be violent or not chooses not to, um, unleash this primal, um, beautiful God given protective nature unless it's absolutely necessary. So that's, that's something that I feel like masculinity is, is definitely, um, it's, it's lacking these days is even the understanding that no, my, my, uh, the fact that I am dangerous is actually yeah. a wonderful thing for my family, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, back to the guy who was trying to date my sister, I really wanted him to understand that, <laughs> you know? Uh, and now that I have daughters, I want, I want their boyfriends to understand that as well. Um, but I think what's lacking um, right now, back to the adventure thing, is, is go therefore throughout the world and preach the good news. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, Jesus says that at the end of Matthew. He says that in response to their doubt. It says that his disciples worshiped him, but were doubting. I mean, how many times have I sat in church and like, oh, Lord, I love you. And I really do. Um, but I don't know if my life has any meaning right now. Um, that, that doubt creeps in. And then I look at that in Matthew 28, and he's saying, well, then go throughout the world to preach good news. I'm like, well, I am going throughout the world. I just, you know, I went, uh, I went to Mass today. You know, that wasn't at my house. That technically is in the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm doing it. And he's like, no, 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 go throughout the world. So sure enough, Mexico 2019, bring my family along with some other families in this ministry I had. And a week before we left, there was a mass kidnapping in one of the spots we were going to. Um, so we prayed and said, Lord, what do you want? You know? And he said, I want you to go to Mexico. You need to go. <laughs> so I brought my whole family. My youngest was one years old at the time. You wow, know, wow. Um, My oldest, I think, was eight. Anyway, what an adventure is my point, you know, what a time for me to be on my knees begging the Lord, like, God, I hear you calling me here. I am scared to death. You're in charge. Mm. I'm be quite honest with you, Lord. And he already knew this before I said it. I don't want to do this. This is the, the, the risk is too big. And he's saying, I'm in control here. Just do what I ask. Let's go. And so we did it. You know, we went, we had a beautiful mission. Many people came to the Lord. We were able to pray with people. It was wonderful. But, um, I guess to call back to a few things, I went all in. So did the people on this trip with me. Um, I was very protective over my family. But in the process, that um, it wasn't my fear that drove me. It was my love for him that drove me. So even in my protective nature, I was still able to love the people I encountered well and really show them our Lord's love well. You know, um, That's the kind of thing, um, literally, as I invited people and they heard about various problems in Mexico, um, they would back out of the trip. I was like, okay, well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to take my family skiing over Mardi Gras. That's what we're going to do. I'm like, okay, well, your son is not going to see you evangelize in a place that's dangerous. He's going to see you on the slopes. You know, so I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Please take your son to the slopes. I'm just saying my son hopefully is going to be able to see something different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, evangelization and and acting like Jesus, that's really more of more of an adventure than, you know, actual, like going on a planned out trip, mm. you know, like doing those living by the spirit and taking it wherever it guides you. Mm-hmm. You're going to end up in some, some weird situations that are going to make you uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, lots of confrontation and, and things that are just going to challenge you and make you uncomfortable. And it's, 
it's a part of uh yeah especially for the suns like they need to see that mm-hmm. yeah. and i need to an, and the whole time because i'm powerless in another country with little um technology i'm powerless so guess who be son, who becomes a son again but me mm-hmm. begging my father like dad if you don't if you don't help me out of this we don't make it you know and there i am right where he wants me submissive to him on my knees him loving me him protecting me me receiving that, also receiving mass, receiving this food of, of, of true life and this drink of true drink, and, and, and using that to sort of power my body, my mind, my will, my evangelization um, to protect my family and then to love people and to evangelize. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a beautiful cycle, but yeah. we just can't do that if we play it too safe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, how strong that realization is, like for fathers, husbands, realizing that they themselves have to be small before the true father, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and not, not making it like a, not making it like a, everything is under my control, mm-hmm. but rather everything is in his control. And I have to be, I have to be strong and prudent and mm. obedient, you know? Um, but I have to remember who I'm serving. Yeah. Well, look, I see the clock right now. I know it's, it's running thin, but I got to tell you a quick thing that the greatest example that, that I've ever seen, I'm working with Catholic charities. Now I do, um, the division director for disaster response. So, as Hurricane Ida was approaching us and we still thought it was going to hit Lafayette, I'm in the EOC. And this is the this is the, the, the situation room. I mean, you got the mayors there. You've got Louisiana National Guard, fire chief, chief police, sheriffs. Everybody's there planning, what are we going to do if this thing comes our way? And it's all these people making decisions. Um, and it, it's the bunker. It's the place where you retreat to. And while your family evacuates, you guys should should be okay in here. So anyway, it was on Saturday. The storm would hit Monday midnight. Um, but it was on Saturday that we realized it wasn't going to hit Acadiana. And so uh, they also knew that we had planned out our weekend to be in there. So they called the bishop in. And the bishop uh, said Mass in there because he knew we had, you know, we didn't really plan to go to Mass. Um, we were dispensated in the chaos, you know. Um, so he comes in, and literally every official who had been calling the shots in this, in this room um, making all the decisions, you know, the real power in Acadiana. Um, 45 minutes later, the bishop saying mass and burnt in my head is a picture of him holding up the Eucharist during consecration. And everybody was on their knees before him mm-hmm. looking at the real king. Oh, it was this transition of power. Like 45 minutes ago, it was, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell millions of people what to do in this area, or probably hundreds of thousands of people what to do in this area. 45 minutes later, every one of them is silent on their knees before the king. You know, that's where power comes from. If you've got him in your heart, then you just do what he asks you to do. And if he asks you to lead a community, great, you know, then do it. But um, beautiful, beautiful image for me. Yeah. Wow. Same. Wonderful. Well, thanks for coming in, Hart. You're welcome. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, this yeah. has been great. Thanks so much for sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this can be an inspiration for everyone here in Cajun country. All oh, men indeed. and women listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs> I'm Jude LeConte. And I'm Reed Strieva. Thanks for listening to our podcast, Cajun Kingdom of Priests. And if you need more information, you can go to AquinasLafayette.org. God bless you and have a great day.